I'm Charlie Hipwood, CEO of Mass Ventures. And I'm Stacy Swider, an investor at Mass Ventures. And we welcome you to the Fundable Founder, where we'll be exploring relevant topics for technology entrepreneurs to help them succeed in raising capital and in growing their businesses. As a founder who started and ran three companies, I didn't know what I didn't know when I first set out. <laughs> but you eventually figured things out, right? For the most part, through trial and error and mentorship. But now as a VC, I'm frequently advising entrepreneurs on the same topics. So Stacy and I are here to share that earned wisdom with you, along with the experts that we interview on a variety of subjects. We are. The roadmap to a successful startup is at your fingertips. So turn up the volume and grab the keys to success for your fundable founder journey. Great. I'm here today with Brian Burdick, who's a co-founder at ClearGov. Uh, and we're going to talk a little bit about the board of directors and working with the board. Uh, thank you, Brian. Welcome. My pleasure. Thanks, Charlie. And for full disclosure, uh, Mass Ventures was an early investor in ClearGov. And I was a board observer for a couple of years. So we do have that founder board relationship at, at a certain level, uh, which, is, which is always helpful. Yeah, so, it's great. it was great having you on our board. We appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. Um, so first of all, I mean, in your opinion, what's the purpose of a board of directors for a startup? Yeah, so I think uh, the, the key things that, that I think founders want to get out of a board um, is uh, some strategic direction, particularly around uh, financing and scaling the business. Um, if you get the right board of directors, you've got a group of, of people that uh, have seen you know, way more uh, startups uh, than than you typically has have as right. a as a founder, right? Uh, you know, typical board member might actively sit on five, six, seven, eight different boards at a time. They've been doing it for years, so they've kind of been there, done that, seen it all, um, and can be a great source of advice uh, as you grow the company. Like I said, particularly around the funding and financing, um, ideally. If you can find, you know, at least a couple of board members that also have operating experience, mm -hmm. uh, particularly ones that have been in a startup themselves, uh, that can be really invaluable uh, as you, you know, as you grow your business. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more. So, you know, from the founder's perspective, it's that those board members just provide a, a breadth of knowledge and you have right. the deep knowledge as a founder in your particular space, but the board kind of provides that breadth and kind of you know, hey, we've seen this work at other companies before or not work. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. In fact, you know, I would say one of the one of the best things that I've gotten from the board at ClearGov in particular is just questions that they've asked. Mm -hmm. You know, have you thought about, um, you know, here's here's something to, you know, that we've seen work at another company it may work in your organization. You know, the, the, the board's job is not to run the day to day operations of the company. They, they don't have time for that. They're not going to you know, they're not going to kind of get into your business day by day, typically, uh, but they could be a great sounding board, particularly for strategic decisions, for overall direction of the company. And, and frankly, if you're having a, a challenge, I mean, one of the, I think one of the universal truths of the startup is they all have problems. Like nobody, you know, gets it exactly right from day one and never makes a mistake. In fact, if you're not making mistakes, you're probably not trying hard enough. Right. Uh, and, um, so, you know, when you run into those walls, uh, the right board can be a great, you know, source of, of ideas and, and feedback on, you know, what you need to do to get out of it. 
Yeah, no, for sure. And I think one of the common misconceptions is that, you know, the board and the founder relationship is adversarial and it's really collaborative, right? Or should yeah. be collaborative. Should I mean, be, yeah. You know, I, um, I was on, when I was on your, uh, a board observer at ClearGov, I was on 14 boards at that time. Right. <laughs> and every one of them was a collaborative, uh, you know, relationship with the founders and really trying to, everyone's got a, com a common interest and in see the company grow. Uh, and yep. become more valuable. So uh, everyone was working together. Yeah, I, I think that's absolutely the case. I've been very blessed in, in my life that I've always had great boards um, with, with my various startups. Uh, and I think that's really important for founders to think about when they're pulling the board together and who they want you know, on the board, frankly, who they want as investors. Right. Um, it's, you know, yes, the money is important. You need that. Uh, to grow the company, but just like, you know, you would think about things, um, the types of things that you would think about when hiring somebody onto your team, you should think about those same sorts of things when you're bringing on an investor and, and they're going to fill a board seat, right? Are they going to be collaborative? Do you have a shared, you know, vision for where the company, you know, should go? Do you have, are they a cultural fit? Right. Right. Um, and, and then of course, you know, my favorite is the very strong, no asshole rule. Yeah. You know, we yeah. made an exception for you, Charlie. No, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I just think that's really, really important. And look, there are some board members out there that that are jerks, right? Yeah. But you need to kind of try to vet that as best you can uh, before you're pulling that board together. And then just like you said, you guys have a shared mission. Your goal is to make, you know, this company, this startup uh, a success, um, and, and founders need to realize that, you know, the investors really, it's not an us versus them. It's a we, yep. right? We uh, are going to make this thing work. So you mentioned that this all starts in fundraising because one or two of your investors typically join the board as in the investor seats. I mean, what, yep. what, um, so a lot of people just don't realize that when they're starting their first company, right? So yep. Yep. You're, you're figuring it out who your board members are going to be by who your investors are going to be. I mean, yep. what, let's touch on the structure of the board a little bit for a company that's just raised a seed round, for example, yep. or their first round of capital. What's the typical composition of the board? Yeah, so, so a very typical comp composition of a board, particularly for a seed round startup, it, it, typically three members, right? Um, you've got, you know, the CEO uh, representing the common shareholders and, and the company. You've got typically the lead investor uh, in your seed round. Uh, we'll typically have a board seat and then a third you know, independent board seat. Um, and that independent board seat is something that you, know, you shouldn't really rush into. Um, you should think about, yep. Yep. Um, you should think about kind of what sort of expertise uh, is going to bring the most uh, to your organization. A great, for example, is you know, with ClearGov, um, when we were thinking about our first independent board member, we had sort of two paths that we debated. We debated you know, somebody who really knew the SaaS business, which is the business that we were getting into, uh, but we sell to local governments. And so we also thought about, do we want to get somebody from local government, somebody that knows, uh, you know, that, um, that mindset. And we ultimately decided, you know, that was the right direction for us. Uh, we brought in a guy named Martin O'Malley, who was a, you know, former mayor of, of Baltimore, former governor of, of Maryland, um, and he's been a great fit, you know, for the organization. He, and he's brought expertise 
that our investors and frankly that you know Chris and I as co-founders didn't have. Um, And that was a a great way to round out the board. Um, So I would say most often it's kind of that three person board. There could be some, you know, some circumstances like with ClearGov um, where we started out with a five person board, but same sort of structure, right? It was Chris and I kind of representing the company as co-founders. We had two investor seats um, and then an an independent board member. And that's, you know, kind of the structure you want to want to stick with. Um, that that can grow over time, uh, but there's there's not a lot of need. You don't there's no need for a big board in a startup. That's just going to slow <laughs> things down and and you know make it harder to find board meeting times that work for everybody. That's right. But the board does evolve over time as you raise future rounds, which I think yep. a lot of people also don't understand. So you go on to raise your Series A. There's typically a new lead investor that comes in. Yep. That lead investor usually wants a board seat. Yep. And one of the existing investors usually steps aside or becomes an observer, right? So there's, right. there's constant evolution of the board. Yeah, that, that's absolutely the, you know, the case. And, and you just described the you know, exact scenario. As new investors, new investors come in, um, you know, if, they're, if they're putting up a significant stake as a Series A investor, um, they're likely going to want you know, a board seat. Uh, and then you have a conversation, you know, with the board, right? Is it is it replacing somebody, um, or is now the appropriate time to, you know, go from three members to five members or something like that? Uh, and there's, you know, there's different uh, scenarios where uh, each of those strategies can make sense. So again, that's a great thing to you know talk through your existing board with and say, hey, what's our best strategy here? Exactly, and it's usually pretty obvious, like. There's always one board member who's really active and providing a ton of value. There's the independent is usually providing a ton of value because like you said, they either understand your customer or they understand your business in particular. And then there's always, you know, an investor who's ready to take a back seat because either they can't focus on the business as much or they're not providing as much value because for whatever reason. And so it's really easy to have those conversations if if you've set up everything in advance uh, to be collaborative with your board. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, we, we found that same thing to be true, you know, here at ClearGov. We actually just closed a Series A um, and have just gone through that exact, you know, scenario. We ultimately decided to expand the board because, okay. you know, our, our two active um, uh, investors um, were both very active. Um, yep. you providing know, both a ton of value. Yep. Providing a ton of value. And, you know, wanted to, you know, continue to have them, you know, have that input. Um, they also both provide, frankly, a lot of cachet in the market. Mm-hmm. Um, they're well-known names here in the Boston area. And, uh, you know, we, we benefit uh, from their credibility of having them on the board. Um, and so we, you know, we're at the process where we, the Series A investor, you know, we added a board member and we're uh, going to go start looking for a second independent board member. Uh, but again, not a, not a decision that we're going to, you know, rush into, get to right. think through, you know, who we want that to be. That's awesome. Um, so we'll touch on some of the value that the board provides a little bit later, but let's talk about some of the, just the functional items, right? Like how often does the board typically meet if things are going as expected? <laughs> yeah. So what I think most investors, most startups, um, entrepreneurs should uh, expect is, yeah, when you when you uh, first create the board, uh, that you're looking 
you're probably going to have, you know, kind of six board meetings a year, sort of every other month. Yep. Um, and that's because, you know, as the company's getting started, things change frequently. Yep. Uh, you're getting that traction and, you know, the board is providing some oversight to help you, you know, stay on course. Um, as you get to the point where, uh, you've started to figure things, and, and this may take a couple of years, right? Sure. Where you started to really figure things out and, you know, the machine is starting to really crank, um, then you can ease that back, right? Um, and, and go to kind of quarterly uh, yeah. board meetings. Um, and, and that's, you know, uh, I, I haven't seen, I, I've never been in a situation where there's been less than, you know, quarterly board meetings. Um, so I think that's kind of a, um, you know, a, a nice rhythm to fall into, um, in our case at ClearGov, you know, we actually, it's, it's a great um, discipline for us because we update the company on a quarterly basis, everybody in the company on, you know, kind of how we're doing. And more or less, you know, we take them through exactly the same presentation that we give yep. to the board in our quarterly updates. So it's a, it's a great cycle for us. Yeah, if you get in a regular cadence, it, it provides a great opportunity to just take a step back from the business and measure things, right? See how things are going. Um, and reassess where you want to go. And that's just a good good thing to happen. I, I know I've been on boards that don't have regular cadence. They have met less than quarterly. Okay. Um, and those businesses tend not to be doing very well. They're, they're yeah. kind of all over the place, right? As opposed yeah. to having a direction. So, um, and then how long are the, if you meet, let's say you meet six times a year, how long are those meetings typically? Yeah, I mean, typically they're, you know, uh, about two hours, I would say, on average, uh, for us. Um, you know, occasionally they go a little bit longer, particularly when we're getting around, you know, having discussions about, let's say, the next round of financing. Right. Um, and, you know, there's kind of some back and forth discussion on that. Um, in particular, that's one of the areas where, you know, I found the, the ClearGov board to be you know, super valuable is in advice on how to approach the round and, you know, what, what sort of metrics we need to, you know, have in place to position ourselves in the best possible light, that sort of thing, again, because they've been through, you know, hundreds of these. Yep. Um, and so those, those might go a little bit longer, um, yep. but it's typically a couple of hours. And, and I think the key to that, the key to managing that is, you know, come into every board meeting with a plan. Yep. So, um, you know, first and foremost, I think maybe the number one rule to managing a board uh, effectively and, and, and to communicating with a board effectively is, you know, tell them the bad news first, right? <laughs> Get that out first. If, if you know, just be honest, again, you're back to the point of, hey, we're collaborating together, right? If you're trying to hide stuff from the board, that is only going to end in misery. You're going to lose their trust. Um, and that's what you know, creates the wrong kind of dynamic with the board. Right. Um, so, you know, if, you, if you've missed your quarter, if you've missed your numbers, whatever it is, you know, get that out right up front. Um, my other second, you know, very close second recommendation is don't just present the bad news and not have an answer, not have a right. plan for how you're going to address it, right? Um, so, you know, if you come into a board and say, hey, listen, you know, we, we thought we were going to do, you know, a million dollars this quarter. We only did, you know, 800K. Um, 
we're not happy with that. And here's why, right? Here's why we didn't, what, whatever that is, right? It's not an excuse. It's a, it's a, look, this is what went wrong. Yep. Um, you know, whether that's, we thought our conversion rate was going to be better or, you know, we plan to hire five salespeople and we only hired four. What, you know, here's the things that, that went wrong and here's what we're doing to fix it. Yep. Right. I've never had, I've, I've had to give bad news to boards, you know, plenty of times, but I've never had a situation where given bad news or we understand what happened and here's what we're doing to fix it. That has always gone over well. Right. Versus if you go in and say, here's the bad news. Well, what are you going to do about it? I don't know. Right. That's not going to resonate well with the board. Right. Exactly. Um, sometimes the bad news happens right before the board meeting. Right. And, <laughs> and, you, and you don't have a chance to, you know, uh, have a plan. That's OK. Same same approach, though. Right. Here's what happened. Here's our hypothesis of what's, yes. and this is this is what we're exploring to figure this out. Um, I'll get back to you, you know, in two weeks with a plan, yep. right? But this just happened. We haven't had time to if, so just, you know, I mean, because your goal is to actually have a collaborative discussion with the board and say, correct. "Here's our solution. What do you guys think about this? Are we missing anything else?" Exactly. And then it then it becomes a a team effort to fix the problem, right? Right. Right. The, the issue is when you try to hide some of the things that go bad, which I've seen on other boards, you know, it's it's a real red flag when you go into a board meeting and all the metrics change every quarter, right? Like, right. <laughs> wait, how come we're not tracking this anymore? How come we're including right. this in there? It's because yeah. you missed your numbers, right? But right. Right. changing the way we calculate the metrics doesn't solve the problem. Uh, right. Let's talk about right. the problem instead of hiding right. it. So, yep. you know, I think you know, the effective way that you manage the board is you send out the materials well in advance. You put all that information, you know, it's it's always in kind of the same format every month yep. or every quarter yep. so that, you know, yep. and then there's usually in the email a, hey, here's the here's the, the highlights, right? Here's what we're going to talk yep. about, you know, right. the bad. We right. missed on the numbers here and here and here. And here's the strategic things we want you to think about prior to coming into the meeting, which is usually hey, we're ready to raise another round and let's think about investors and other things. So the more transparent you are and the more um, consistent you are, the more time you can spend on the discussion of how to solve the problems or how to go raise money, right? That, that's exactly right. And, you know, one other little sort of tidbit and it kind of in a way a question for you, Charlie, but, uh, you know, my assumption, my approach is, you know, not, not that our board presentations look like crap, um, but I'm not investing a lot of time in the production value of no. our PowerPoint. No. <laughs> bullets uh, suffice. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Basically bullets suffice. Keep it simple. You know, you want to have some charts in there Couple that show charts. progress over time, but you know, they're not super pretty. They're not elegant. There's no videos. Like don't spend your time on that stuff. The board doesn't care about that. Right. They care about, you know, the numbers and the, and the strategy and the execution um, and you know, not how pretty your, your PowerPoint looks. That's exactly right. If you, if, I mean, a good board member should review all the materials well in advance of the meeting, come prepared with the questions or things they don't understand, but ready to talk about strategy. So you don't want to spend too much time on the numbers or you want to talk about future, right? right. Not what right. happened. Okay. That's a snapshot. Now let's talk about what we're going to do the next quarter Yep. Uh, and next six months. Um, yep. And I think that's also, you, you brought up a point before about the fundraising and 
I think what a lot of people miss on when they think about their board is they don't communicate enough. And what they should be doing is communicating throughout because what happens is you want to prepare them for your next fundraise because that's where the, the at least the investor members of the board become really valuable. Yes. <laughs> because yeah. if they love your story and they can tell your story and you've been you you've taken them on that journey for the last year, they'll open up the right 10 doors for fundraising and make that process really smooth going forward, right? Yeah. A absolutely. Couldn't couldn't agree with you more. Um, you want them to kind of know your business um, so that they can sell it, right? They can, you know, sell it to new investors coming in so that they feel good selling it internally to their own boards, right? They've all got boards that they report to um, uh, who are going to decide whether they continue to, you know, support the company uh, with follow-on investments and that sort of thing. And so you want them to, you know, know the business, you know, the good, the bad, and the ugly um, so that they can, you know, say, hey, listen, we've had you know, a couple of problems, but we're, you know, we solved them this way and we're on the right trajectory now. We've launched this new product and, you know, things are really, really going well. Now's the time to, you know, put more money into this, yep. right? Because we're, we're starting up that, that growth curve. Um, so you want them to, you know, be evangelists for you. Absolutely. And, and it just makes that next fundraise that much easier, right? If, if you say, hey, okay, we're going to go raise, you know, $2 million in next quarter. And then the investors say, I know the five people you should be talking to. And they already right. know about you guys because I've right. been talking about you. Right. And oh, by the way, we'll invest our pro rata. Right. And right. just that sells the story that much better. And then you don't have to focus on fundraising. You focus on continuing to grow your business. Right. Because fundraising, you know, nobody ever put the fun in fundraising. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. No, that's that's a great point. Um, you know, we're, we're just out of, about out of time. Any last final thoughts you'd like to share? Any words of wisdom? Um, I, I think the only other thought that we haven't explicitly talked about is, uh, and, and, you know, we did this at the very beginning with our board, is uh, have, a, have a, you know, honest, fierce conversation with your board about what your expectations of them are, yep. right? Right from the start, say, hey, look, this is you know, how I'm planning to run this. This is how I'm planning to organize. This is the information that I'm planning to share. This is what I'm looking for from you guys, right? This is the input that I, you know, that I want and I feel that I need. Um, have that conversation right up front uh, because chances are you'll be aligned, but if you aren't, right, then you can talk about what those, you know, areas that maybe need to be tweaked a little bit, you know, maybe the board wants to see a little bit something different in your, in your quarterly reports. And, you know, that could be a simple ask, um, but, you know, you'll never know uh, unless you have those conversations. So I, I would do that right from the start, set expectations on both sides and then, you know, stick to that. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I think uh, that's a great, great point. A great place to finish. You know, I think, look, a lot of people look at the relationship with the board as a top-down thing, and I think it's a team thing, right? Where the 100%. board and the founders work for the company, yep. and they're working with the company together. And so you set expectations for each other, and it just becomes a team effort. Yep. Uh, it's not a top-down or a bottom-up uh, relationship by any means. I 100% agree. 
Awesome. Well, thank you, Brian. Really appreciate your thoughts uh, and hope to see you on some future episodes as well. You got it. My pleasure, Charlie. Thanks a lot. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Fundable Founder. Please go to our website at mass-ventures.com for more information on Mass Ventures and where you can also find other episodes just like this.